0: Hey, good evening. You up all night tossing, turning, mind racing? You having trouble falling asleep, getting to sleep? Uh, well, welcome. Sleep With Me is proud to present Game of Drones, the uh, Game of Thrones podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do it with an episode discussion. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about Hard Home, Season 5, Episode 8. And we're going to you know we'll do an intro... We'll talk about the episode for a while But if this is your first time here, your first couple times here You might be like, wait, sleep, I'm not sure I understand Can you tell me, wait, wh- wh- where am I? Well, so this is a podcast to help you fall asleep The way we do it is distraction It's called Sleep With Me Sunday nights we do a Game of Thrones episode Tuesday and Thursday we do more silly story type things But, but here's what I'm going to do I'm going to create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's running through your brain, whatever's got you tossing and turning, whatever's poking at you, I'm going to try to take your mind off all, all that stuff going through your head or going through your body, and I'm going to just talk about a, a hard home this episode in the most lulling, soothing manner I possibly can, but I'm, I'm going to try to keep it just interesting enough and just amusing enough to keep your thoughts at bay but not quite engaging enough, where you're yeah, like, I can't possibly go to sleep now. I gotta listen to this guy. He'd be like, well, I don't know if this guy's, you know, I don't know if this guy's gonna have any, you know, salient points or uh, actionable items. So I'll just drift off. He said, hey, and I, that's my my deal. You go to sleep whenever you want. It's not gonna bother me. It's not gonna hurt your feel my. F- yeah, it's not gonna hurt my feelings. That's what the podcast is here for. And one metaphor I might say is Jesus tonight. I'm trying to get through the intro because we got a bunch of housekeeping to go through. But that seems like what happens at bedtime too. Is you start to lie down, and then all of a sudden, all these other parts of your brain that were distracted during the day, because you got work, you got family, you got daydreams, all these other, they seem like they were hibernating. They say, Hey Jesus, did I tell you? About this list of stuff you never got done today. Did you notice? I've been keeping an eye on your eyebrow hair. I just want to tell you some uh, unfortunate truths about your eyebrow hair. And they say, geez, we have all these housekeeping items we need to harass you with at bedtime. For some reason, all those parts of your brain, they're trying to help you. They're misguided. They speak in these... Uh, you know right and wrong issues these concrete 100% this way 100% that way all or nothing type things that they have and it's, it's all tied into who you are as a person how lovable or valuable you are or what could possibly go wrong or sometimes right the next day but none of it's related to hey let's try to calm you down and get you to sleep so you can you know be at your best tomorrow So that's what this podcast is here for. I try to distract those parts of your brain or try to have you just concentrate uh, lightly on what I'm saying. And whether you watch Game of Thrones or not, you say, well, this is, is, you know, okay, this guy's voice is okay. He seems to be semi-calm. Seems like he's got good intentions. I'll give it a shot. And then hopefully you'll fall asleep. That's what I hope helps. Any housekeeping I do here, you'll see coming up. You say, "Geez, this is a lot of nonsense. Good natured nonsense, a little bit of fun tied in there." And geez, that's all I do. I want to help you fall asleep. And the reason why is because I have trouble sleeping, and I've had some terrible bouts of insomnia. All the other stuff that either causes insomnia, or not all the other stuff, a lot of the other stuff. I've 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 been been through some some of that. So I can relate to just being in your bed, wanting some rest and just being harangued by, by, by stuff. And you say, geez, I just want a break right now, please. That's the spirit. I, the podcast is more silly because I see geez, I want to, you know, move away from that uh, serious business. But it is serious business and presented in a silly way, I guess. Uh, just like Punch and Judy, if you ever pay attention to what Punch and Judy is about, the puppet show, you're like, "Holy mackerel!" But it's hilarious. Uh, so, so that's a summary there. We're on the web: www.sleepwithmepodcast.com. Older episodes of Game of Thrones drones are at uh, older episodes of Game of Drones are at www.sleepwithmepodcast.com/drones. You can get a hold of me. You can comment on the website. You can email me feedback at sleepwithmepodcast. You can get me on Twitter. Uh, at Dear Scooter, we're on Facebook, Sleep With Me Podcast there. Uh, go ahead, if you can, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your podcatcher. And if you have a few minutes uh, and you remember tomorrow, don't do it now. You know, you're trying to fall asleep. But if you can get to it tomorrow, review and rate us on iTunes. That it helps raise our profile and lets other people say, hey, this podcast uh, is, a, you know, you say, just tell them your experience and then people will be like, okay, that's their experience. Maybe I'll try it. All right, so we got a bunch of housekeeping items, just stuff I want to make you aware of or check in with you guys about, and we got a, kind of a nice little announcement here or an idea I have, but first thing is Game of Thrones is winding down here. We got two more episodes left. Uh, after the season ends, we'll still be doing a podcast episode every Sunday night, so we're still going to be figuring out what we're going to be doing on Sunday nights. So it probably won't always be Game of Thrones related. So just ask, I always ask for is you guys just communicate with me and your patients as we, you know, but stuff stuff will, stuff will be out on Sunday nights. All right, our Facebook group, our Facebook community, I created a URL so it'll be easier to get to it, com slash nods, N-O-D-S. So if you say, hey, I want to join that Facebook community where people are, uh, I'm trying to give it that its own space. but well, you know, I, I just say, geez, I want to take a peek in there too, but but join it. You can exchange ideas, have some fun. It's com slash nods. We'll take you to where you, you, uh, you know, it's a closed group. So all you got to do is say, hey, I want to join. You got to have a Facebook account, obviously, because it's on Facebook, you know, we gotta work within the, the, the technology that's available to us. But sleeping be podcast dot com slash nods will take you there. So that's that. Shirts will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. They'll only be on sale for twenty-one days. When the shirts go on sale, they'll be at sleeping dot com slash shirts. And probably shirt too, and they'll just take you straight to the page that is selling the shirts. Probably another week from when you're hearing this. Uh they should be on sale. So, the third week of June. So, it'll be sleepingpodcast.com slash shirts. And then uh, we have uh, those of you have been listening for a little while know I like to have a little. Uh, I, I have a listen to NPR my whole life. I'm a big you know, public radio fan. And instead of having a pledge drive, we have a listener drive every month where you say, hey, well, that's what I'd start us. Let's get some listeners. You know, spread the word about the podcast, and then you guys were doing it. So that was, uh, I forgot what it was called. I'm sorry. But then you guys did such a good job. One listener initiative. Then you guys, you need to keep, you know, keep up the good work. That was the second initiative, which you guys still kind of, these fun drives build on themselves. Keep up the good work. That was the next one. So keep up the good work. Don't don't forget that. Uh, then we moved into small talk with a stranger, which is that, like, geez, we don't have to push the podcast on people. You know, let's let's develop some social skills and say, let's just, be, be, you know, make the world a little bit more, you know, small talk. You will know, say, geez, that, that person was nice to me. That was cool. You know we don't. You know you're already keeping whatever. I don't know what it was. I said Jesus sounds fun. People did it. And then I was like, Jesus, what am I gonna do? What's our next listener drive gonna be for the month of June? And then I was really thinking that because I said Jesus, I want it to be something special. And I said, okay, let's sit on it and wait because usually I found, you know, ideas. I said, well, that I, I don't know about that idea. And then this I said, I don't. and then it came to me. Uh, kind of by way of something I like to, I, I don't think I've joked about a public yeah on the podcast. I've been lucky enough to have some nice articles written about the podcast. And I've been waiting for someone to have the headline, if they write an article about the podcast, Sleeper Podcast of 2015 or 2014 or 2016. And I wouldn't make fun of you, but that, I said, geez, why doesn't anybody said Sleeper Podcast of 2014 or 2015? That would be a funny and then I would laugh about it even more because I said "Jesus, I think it's funny and it's it's tongue-in-cheek but then I said so so I was, I said uh, then I was thinking, so then I was thinking about the fun draft For some reason I said okay wait a second uh, so that's one thing this I guess this is gonna be long so uh you know we guys'm trying to put you to sleep but then another thing came up which was a theme with the feedback I hear, but also in the, my personal life outside of here is like people that either want to start some project or are, are trying to finish a project. It might be a creative project, it might be a personal project. It might be something like, hey, I want to clean out this closet. And in some sense, it's a project they're sleeping on. Either they haven't started it or they haven't finished it. And I got a hell of a lot of those. But the one reason this podcast has worked out, because I haven't slept on it in that sense. It hasn't been a sleeper project Oh the irony they say, okay, that's one okay so said so, geez, counterintuitive city that's what works best on Spicast can we help those people, all of you, any of you that have a project you're sleeping on So that's one thing. and then the other thing is all of you guys have your own things you love. And this builds off a of small talk. When you're making small talk with something, what's one wonderful thing to love is a sleeper. Like you say, geez, have you seen this movie? Have you listened to this this musician, this artist? Have you seen this painting? Have you gone to this performance? Have you read this book? Could you try this poem? Did you know this this historical um, this event in our history of our country? I love it so, but I don't feel like everybody knows about it or has heard about it. It's something that's a sleeper that you hold close to your heart. You say, Jesus, I love this so. I want to share it. So I'm taking June, and I'm taking you know the official calendar. I'm just crumbling all that out. I'm throwing it out the window. And I'm declaring this the sleeper summer. 2015 is the sleeper summer. That's our summer fun drive. We're running it from this moment. Until the end of the freaking summer, and I'd say, well, probably whatever whatever the one at the end is Labor day straight through labor Day at the minimum sleeper summer, so I want to see, I want you guys to start thinking about stuff you you want to get done or file through on or even start you know, kind of like the the, the the writing thing there's these other things out there. I want to use this podcast to help help help. Uh, you know, and also there'll be other stuff. You know, obviously, this is a there's so many different intertwining things that I could talk about, but I don't want to go on. And I also want to give it a chance to promote stuff that you love. It might be something that says, Jesus, everybody know about Groundhog Day. say, okay, well, pretty popular thing, but a good thing to share. But the thing is, this isn't going to be just on the podcast. Probably I'll just be pushing the summer, sleeper summer on the podcast. I have a Tumblr. I don't know what the hell the address is, but I signed up for it today. I don't even know, so I might need some help with that. But I figure we could, you could use that or a subreddit or some other place to start coming up with all this stuff. But I want this to be something special, not just for this podcast, and not just about this podcast. But to share other special things in the in the things that, you know, are special about you. You say, geez, I did, I did. You, got to tell you about how I cleaned my closet with a flamethrower. It was great. It feels so good. And you say, well, luckily I live in, a, you know, a flame-proof building except for that closet. Or, you know, I wrote this poem or I did this. So that's it. I don't, you know, this is going to be an organic thing. We got the whole freaking summer to figure it out. But let's get started. Let's get this summer party started by declaring it. You say, "Well, it's not technically summer." You say, "Just relax. You know, we're we're working on this. You know, we're trying to promote stuff. It's fun. It's not a. You know, we're not going by the calendar. Remember, we threw it out the window. So, 2015 sleeper summer. That's our fun dri- or our pledge drive or listener drive. And, you know, I don't know. Let me know what you think. Sleeper summer. All right, I'm glad you're here. Let's get on to, you know, the actual sleeping. And uh, I hope I help you fall asleep. Thanks. All right, guys, uh, time for my gratitude. I want to thank, well, crone, sweet, sweet crone, Miller Smith, Barky Jester. I want to thank you, gods old and new, for the support of uh, Chris Posty, Posterson, who does our music over at soundslikeanearful.com. Sir Scotty and Lady Jennifer, who are in charge of our iconic artwork and more artwork yet to come. Uh, Alexandra and Laura, who stand watch over uh, the uh, Facebook group over at uh, supermepodcastcom slash nods. Uh, Silvertone, who stands watch over the sweet dulcet tones of the Silvertone and Pound Silvertone. Hashtag Silvertone on Facebook if you want to submit show ideas. Except that's on Twitter, not on Facebook. Lord and Lady and Schrader, who haven't gotten a deserved shout out in a little while. So guys, you know, we keep a double watch on them. Uh, over on we've been busy couple of days, guys. Over on Facebook we found out Natalie K hung out with uh Hannah Barbarian. They played a little D. Lynn B was talking about a possible podcast diet to get more sleep. Uh, Linda P had some nice things to say. Lyda uh, had some nice things to say. Faye was w- wondering about the uh, Payo Hanna Barbera uh, 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 fan fiction, which was stolen by uh, the Governor Bernadette J. She 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 made some nice comments on both the website and on Facebook. So double shout out for Bernadette J. Annie R., Ashley, Kimberly, all, all uh, nice little nice things. And then I want to thank Julie C., Laura, and Jennifer B. for, you know, taking the time to, uh, you know, add their insights to the different news articles I post. Uh, I guess this is the week of Kimberly's, uh, guys, because we're on Twitter. We heard from Kimberly T. We also heard from Nabel or Nabil, M-A-N-A-B-I-L, Tawny. Rachel R., Stephen D., Happy Face, and Kimberly A. And they get some real nice emails, uh, some follow-up emails from Isaac and Fox, a nice email from Alexis who we're thinking about. And then, you know, when you need help and you you know, say, geez, sometimes you get help you ask for, sometimes you get help you didn't even know. You, you, you give help, you say, geez, I guess I asked for help on the podcast. But I want to thank Eli and Aaron for reaching out to me. And offering me some wonderful insights and stuff. And hopefully those will be ongoing co- communications that I'm, I'm I already learned a, a ton. And uh, oh boy, so so you know, and luckily we're still in you know, guys, guys, I'm still in the discernment mode where you guys cook my brain. Uh, so, so luckily, uh, you know, we have months, months ahead till we have to decide anything. So. And then over on iTunes, I want to thank Laurel Soros, who I got a, a pretty good guess who that is. Who she would probably say to Alexandra, uh, you know, owned or, or pwned. or if she what she says to this podcast does the trick. And it's a relaxed podcast, no pressure, and you know you you don't have to pay attention, and, but it puts you to sleep. So thank you for taking the time, Laurel Soros. Hopefully, in Jurassic World, you're one of the dinosaurs. I said, well, geez, what's the next Jurassic World? Like, Blackfish Jurassic World? Or is that, you know, say, hey, leave these dinosaurs alone. You know, I I saw the trailer. You think I want to be performing for humans? You know, I'm a prehistoric being. But I'll save that for, you know, I'll save the complaints for the Midler app gods. Thank you. This is just gratitude time, so thank you so much. And thank you to everyone out there who supports the podcast and listens. Thanks so much. All right, so uh, it starts out with uh, Tyrion and Jorah. The hard home we're talking about tonight. Sorry about that. It starts out with uh, Tyrion and Jorah standing before our our queen, our queen Khaleesi can't quite read my writing here it says Jorah dang spread might be Jorah's stand spread I don't know more nice light flowing into the room from high above Sir Jorah's head Jorah's really stiff and you know Khaleesi's like Jorah keep your mouth shut how do I know you're Tyrion he's like I wish I wasn't and she's like, "Well, why don't I take you out to revenge against your family? Against like, my family?" He goes, "They loathe me." He goes, "You know, there's been a lot of family history, and I've probably taken out more Lannisters than anyone else." And she's like, "Well, why would I trust you and take you into my service?" He's like, "Well, I would have to decide that anyway. A little hard to get action." He says, "It's too soon for you to know, for me to know if you deserve my help, and my service." And she said, well, I'll just throw you in the fighting pits. And he says, well, when I was young, I heard a story about a baby born during the worst storm in history. She had nothing, no money, no army, just a name and some supporters who thought that they might use her name for their benefit. And then she got sent off to some marry some warlord in the middle of nowhere. And then he said, and then a couple of years later, and the most well-informed person I knew told me that this girl, who had no wealth, no lands, and no armies, had a, all three acquired them in a short time, along with three dragons. And that he thought it was the best chance to, to fix the world. So he said, I, I said, I'm going to meet you. And she said, well, why would I care about meeting you? He says, well, maybe I could help you, and you will let you know what's going on in Westeros. And she said, Well I got a dragons, remember? He said, Well it's not the same thing as politics. And he said, I was saying to the king, I kinda of liked it. And I had, you know, a couple of nut jobs I worked for. If I worked for a reasonable person, it might go pretty well. And she said, You wanna give me some advice? What do I do with this this guy? And I noticed also that when Tyrion was telling the story look on Khalice's face, she even gave a couple gulps when he was telling the story about her history. And she kind of looked a little awkward. I don't know if it was uncomfortable or afraid during Tyrion's speeches. But then Tyrion, she's like, give me advice, what I should do with him. Tyrion walks away from Jorah. And he's like, well, this guy, he did betray you. We, we did. How many chances? He's not the same guy. He's in love with you. Maybe it's some part of reflection on how trustworthy you are. Like, did he confess to you? And she said, no. And she said, that, he said, do you have a bunch of options? Yeah. So he didn't trust to tell you the truth and forgive him. And she says, well, should I, so should I take him out? And he's like, well, it's good he's devoted to you, but you, you probably can't uh, rule with him next to you. And you get this look, and I'm broken look on Jora's face. She's like, T- remove Sir Jora." the sad puppy dog look. And then he gets there's mu he gets kicked out twice and music, beautiful music playing, and uh, he walks out, he looks back, he looks up at the temple. Only question I had is and he looks at his little stone disease. I said, wouldn't he want to why if he, he's more devoted to Khaleesi but he's diseased? Shouldn't he be protecting her from, from the disease? And then we have the nun offering Cersei some water, and she says, confess, and Cersei's like, my son. And she says, confess, and Cersei's like, uh, I meant it. And she says, confess, and then Cersei's just, she says, you know, I meant what, you know, what, and the nun just walks away. She does a little more to Cersei. Cersei lets out this cry and laugh and a scream. Powerful, powerful stuff. And then we have Arya talking about uh, Lena, Lana. Talking about Lana. And uh, Jaqen's watching. I was like, is he trembling while he was watching? He's wa- watching Cross-Legged uh, with his switch at his hand. But I said, Jesus, he I don't know. I couldn't tell if he was trembling, but he's listening very intensely. And she says, when I was, she tells this story, when I was eight, I became a oyster salesman. I finally got the money to buy a wagon. And every morning I make my way to the canals. I pass uh, you know, pass through these neighborhoods. I see Laura, my first customer. Then I turn on to Moonsinger Lane. He's like, wrong. And then she's like, then I turn left onto to Ragman Lane. That's where I do most of my business. And, uh, what's his name? Jackin says, is eh, Alana, impressive, industrious. She's going to make a fine servant for the many-faced god. Ari becomes very robotic. She's like, how will she serve him? And he says, don't go left on Ragman Lane. Turn right, go to Ragman Harbor. And she says, what will she do there? She sa- he says, you'll see. She-, she will see. A girl will see. And Ari says, a girl will see what? And uh, Jaqen says... Uh how can a man tell a girl this? Very cool uh, these these are great scenes. He says if if he knew what she would see, there'd be no reason to send her. And then we see Arya as uh as a lot she's like oysters, clams, cockles and she, she, it's a really bustling waterfront. People are selling stuff out of boats and skiffs Action packed. And then she sees this old squirrely guy with a bunch of money in front of him. He says, hey, your oyster's fresh. And she's like, yeah, these are the best. I'll give you a free sample. At first he says, you wouldn't lie to an old man. She's like, here's a free sample. And he says, four with vanilla. Which I was like, Jesus, doesn't vanilla cost like a billion dollars? And then we see this guy. There's a little interchange with maps and money and depression. The guy's like, I got three kids. You know, what about my kids? And then, you know, I can explain, like, the man is a gambler, you know, he, he's an insurance salesman, basically, life insurance. And why would someone take life insurance, uh, Arya, Tell me why. And at some point during this exchange, you know, they're sitting by the water, and uh, so this is like after she was observed... And we see a penitent person praying. We also see that God with the back turned. And then I'm afraid to look up until after the season. And I said, geez, which God is that? And so he says, yeah, why would you take, like, well, if he has a family. And then John says, well, what if a gambler, the insurance man, loses his bet and decides not to pay? And you got a poor woman and her children, who would they turn to? And it's like, oh, many-faced gods. And then Ari's like, well, you said you didn't know what I would see at the docks. How do you know about this guy? He's like, yeah, right, I didn't know. A man had no idea what a girl would see and what she would not. Hint, it was a test. And he says, Lana needs to return to the docks and watch the gambler, you know, get to know him wicked good. And she says, and then when he says, here's a gift. It's, uh, you know, some stuff in a, in a small bottle, probably not safest stuff. And then Ari goes off, and then the other girl with the uh, the bow-armed girl, she says, hey, she's not ready. Meshaggan says, perhaps she is, perhaps not. And the girl says, well, what if she's not ready? He says, it's this all the same to the many-faced god, my friend. And then we have Clyburn come in, you know, the uh, faux maester, I guess, the evil scientist-type guy, to visit Cersei. And Cersei's sitting, Clyburn looks very confused. And he's telling her, you know, your trial's coming. They got a good case against you. And she's like, for what? He's like, for everything. You know, they know it all. And she's like, it's all lies. He's like, oh, yeah, of course it is. You know, no, you know, you're know, you're perfect. And he's like, you know, they, the only thing is they don't take a royal's word as proof. So we got a little situation here. And he's like, I hope you don't mind me saying, but I hope you, you know, I hope you excuse me, he says. But belief's the death of reason. And she's like, What are you, freaking Emmanuel Kant? Or Kant, or whatever? He's like, Yeah, why? she's like, why, we, why didn't you say anything earlier? And she's like, Well, what about Jamie? He's like, We haven't heard from him. Oh, by the way, Paisel called Uncle Kevin back, so Kevin's going to be in charge for a while, you know, running the small council. And she's like, I need to talk to him. He's like, no, he doesn't, he called you, he said you were like Darth Vader. And Cersei kind of stands up, I think, at the mention. She's like, what about my son? If you can come here. And he's like, he's not eating, he's not well, he's locked up in his room. And uh, she's like, just go and get him to see me. And he was I can't, he won't see me, I've tried. And she's like, I can't stay here. He's like, well, there is a way, you know, a way out. And she, I I think she says, Cersei says, confess. And I was like, I don't think that's what he was talking about. And she's like, to thy sparrow, no, I'm not going to tell him. I rose up from nothing. I'm not going to kneel before some barefoot commoner for forgiveness. And then the nun comes in and she's like, all right, this meeting's over, you know. And he says, goodbye, my queen. But he says, slips it in there. The work continues. Which I was like, this nun does not seem... She's pretty sharp. I'm surprised she let that slip by. And I would say it probably means something cool is coming. You know, the work continues in the lab, is what I took it as. And then we see Cersei kind of shrink back, very un-Cersei-like. She's almost trembling. And then we have Reek, Theon, go into Sansa's room, and she's sitting there waiting for him at at a table with an empty uh, empty candle holder, and she says, why, why? You know, Theon, and he's like, I'm not Theon, I'm Reek, and uh, Sansa looks so powerful and calm, or or desperate and calm, I I couldn't tell, and there's a light snowfall in the window, and she says, why'd you tell on me? He's like, I want to help you, he's a bad man, he's going to do what, he does everything. And he's like, I tried to get away, and he he took Theon away. And then she's like, Well, you took my family. And he's like, Well, I lied about that. So then Sansa's like, Wait a second, okay, wait, my my brothers are still alive. And he says he, he says, I shouldn't have said that. Oh no. But he says, Well, there's still some Theon left in here. And he's like, I got to get out of here. And she's like, No. And also, at some point, she's like, "I am glad, you know, you deserve everything." I think that's how she broke him for the truth. Because it, it, during the scene, I remember I wrote down that Sansa stands, and again, she's taller than than Fionn Reek, and she's in control till she finds out about Brandon Rick, and then her breast kind of goes short. But again, Sansa's looking very. Uh, powerful starting to look powerful and then we got a meeting downstairs with Roos and his crew and he's like they're like what well, Roos is like we got this in the bag you know we will last six months we got food we, we got men you know we got the walls fixed and they're like well he's got horses he's like yeah they can't jump over walls he's like we're wicked prepared and then uh, uh ramsey's like well you know but father i hate to you know uh, pur- purport to you know more than all the military commanders in history like you're quoting but what do we go after them in the middle of a snowstorm and Russ is like well you're a buffoon tell me more though you obviously history's against you but at least i'll hear your pitch and he's like well i'll give you 20 guys or i just need 20 guys i'm going to do a little uh, commando action and R- Ru is like well let me think about it let's just cut to the next scene Now, I gotta tell you what I wouldn't give for uh, Onion Knight. You know, obviously, the scenes are shot, so I can't risk anything by wishing this, but Onion Knight versus Ramsey fight would be a dream come true. Uh, You know, as long as Ramsey doesn't win. So we'll see. Maybe that's a possibility. Maybe not. And then we have Khaleesi and Tyrion. Tyrion's back dressed up. And they're drinking wine. And he's like, well, have you decided? at like, have you decided? And he's like, well, have you decided if you're going to take me out? She's like, probably. And he's like, it's what your dad would have done. And she's like, well, what have your dad done? And he's like, he tried to take me out. So it was pretty clear. And he, she's like, why? He's like, well, one day when, we, when I'm drunk, I'll tell you all about it. We're going to need a lot of wine, though. I got a high tolerance. And she's like, I know what my father was like. He was a mad king. And Khaleesi, she's back in her uh, standard ro- uh, indoor white gown, I guess. I guess is what we're, we're maybe we're saying. And she's kind of, she's picking at the armchair a little bit, I noticed. She's like, okay, she's not totally one in charge here, or totally comfortable. And another thing was that Syrian was dressed like, so he had a, uh, uh, he didn't have a button fly or a zipper fly. He had a... Uh, leather shoelace fly and i said well geez, that would be you said, know, well it's not as useful okay and, he was and he's like, hey here we said two bad kids two bad fathers she's like i'm terrible and he's like well i've heard stories about you and she's like well why did you come and he's like well varus was impressed with you by in the way you think and she's like, well, that's the one, you know, who's been collecting stuff on me for all the time that Jorah worked for. And Tyrion's like, he did what he needed to do to survive. So did we all. But I think he was looking out for you, really. And he's like, I trust him. She's like, yeah. Or she's like, you trust him? He's like, yeah. He goes, him and my brother, Jamie, who you know, he's not smart enough to mistrust. And she's like, well, I think I'm going to take you out. He's like, well, go ahead. And he's like, I gave up on life, till Ver- life until Varys told me to come meet with you, so uh, at least this will be interesting. And then she's like, no, nah, I think I'll keep you around. And she's like, you're going to advise me, but no more wine today. You know, I need you to, to talk about, she's like, I want this Iron Throne. And he's like, get something else. And she, he, she's like, I don't want jokes. I, I, I get a proper fool if I want jokes. And he's like, well, Lizzie, you got a pretty good world here. Why would you want something more? You've helped people. And she's like, I'm keeping this fight going. Uh, she, she goes, to my homeland. I want to be in my homeland and do this. And he's like, I don't know if anybody's going to support you there or you'll have any allies. And he's like, "The Ty- you know, Starks are down. Lannisters, you know, where he goes, the Baratheons, Stannis oppose you. You got the Tyrells, Maybe. And she goes, Lannisters, Targaryen, Baratheon, Stark, Tyrell, they're just spokes on a wheel. One on top, then another's on top. And it spins, crushing those on the ground. And Tyrion says, well, it's a pretty nice idea, you gotta stop the wheel. She's like, I'm not gonna stop it. I'm going to break it. And then we have Tyrion, oh wait. And the Khaleesi was just amazing in that scene, especially the the final uh description of breaking a wheel and then jorah returns back to his uh, gladiator camp returns the coin to the guy the guy has a snake pin a two snake pin maybe eating its own tail i noticed and he says why'd you come back he says oh my own free will i just want to fight uh, you know, i hung with the khaleesi now i'm back i want to be in the big pit to fight for and uh, he says you know the guy says you you punched me he said well let's make up and then we get back at Cersei's cell, and the woman's tempting her with water again. And she says, Thirsty, confess. And Cersei tries everything. She says, I'm going to get out of here. And then she says, confess. And then Cersei says, I can make you rich. She says, confess. She like, I can make you, you know, a princess or something. She says, confess. And then she says, I'm going to do all these terrible things to you. That's all I can think about. And the nun says, fine, I'm going to pour the water on the floor. And we see Cersei's like teeth are barred when she's talking to this nun, and then we see her dry lips, and as the nun leaves Cersei has her matted hair and she drinks right from the, the stone floor of the water. And we kinda see she's what she's 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 broken. She might not have learned her lesson. But she's pretty low, pretty low. And then we have Gilly nursing Sam back to health and they're kinda talking around the night's events before. I think both the romance and the uh, the fact that everybody's out to get uh, Sam and, and uh, these guys are going to try to chase after Gilly. Ollie, the potato kid, shows up, and he's got food, and uh, I'm like, oh, uh, this uh, this was not a good scene for me. It made me worry. He's got his hands crossed. He's very nervous, very serious. He's like, hey, can I ask you something alone? And Gilly leaves. He's like, it's about to load, Commander. And Sam's like, "What? Well, you know, listen, he's like, I don't know, I can't, try. I don't feel like I can trust the Lord Commander, this is, these are bad people he's aligning with. And Sam says, uh, you know, I've seen these these people, this army of, of darkness, we're going to be fighting, they're bad, man, we need all the help we can get, but again, I don't know, I watched Ollie's face, I don't know if it was enough to sway him, which that's what makes me nervous. And then Sam says, you know, you when you're a leader, you have to make hard choices. And uh, Ollie's like, you really believe that? And Sam's like, yeah, with all my heart. And Ollie just kind of doesn't even answer. He just frowns and walks away in thought. And I said, oh, boy, this is going to be trouble. And then the next scene we have Lord Commander is at the head of the boat. Very leader leader-like. There's wonderful music playing. There's all these nature shots. Shots of the ships in the harbor. Wonderful, wonderful uh, setting. You got mountains and cliffs and snow. They hit the shore. You can see even the detail. There's like little shells, which is like kind of called an aria, but little shells of oysters and stuff on the on, on the beach. There's a light snowfall, and we see this is like the uh, the the camp. Uh, like a little mini base, and then uh, Tormund's like, "You trust me, Jon Snow," and he's like, "Yeah, is this is this a bad idea?" He says, or he says, or is this foolish? He says, "We're fools together." And then there's a whistle. And the Lord of Bones shows up, and uh, Tormund's like, "Gather the elders," and he says, "Don't order me around." He's like, "I'm not ordering you." I said, "Gather, can you gather the elders clearly?" And he says, how come you're not in chains? And John's like, well, this guy's not my prisoner. We're allies. And everyone's like, oh, snap, allies. And even the detail on uh, the Lord of Bones outfit was amazing, amazing stuff. And then uh, Lord Bones starts making fun of Torment, And Torment's trying to say, he's like, let's just gather the elders. And then he pokes Torment in the chest once. And Torment's head kind of goes wobbly. I thought it was interesting, like almost like... Uh, like with the weight, like it, like, and then he pokes him again in the chest, and that, and then that's the end of the uh, Lord of Bones. And Torment's like, all right, let's gather the others, let's get this on, and then they go up to like a meeting house. It had these like intertwined sea serpents as a sigil. Again, I don't want to look anything up till the end of the season, but I don't know. What, what What that's from. And we got Jon Snow. He says, hey, I'm Jon Snow. He's got a lot of grumpy faces. He starts telling these hard truths. So it's like hard home, hard truth time. You know, he says, I'm Lord Commander. We're not friends. We're not going to be friends, but we got to survive. He's like, well, you can get to behind the wall. You know, he's like, why would you do this? He's like, well, these aren't normal times. Like I said, you know, these walkers are coming. And they don't care about humans. And he's like, we can't beat them. And they're like, no, no one can beat them. He's like, hey, check this out. I got a satchel full of dragon glass here. And they said, well, that's a rumor. He said, I, you know, I know somebody that used it. Uh, this stuff works. And then there's a then who's like very doubtful. And there's a woman and she's like, well, and he's like, they're, they're debating. He's like, come on, well, I'll share these with you. And then they're like, hey, by the way, where's Mance? What time's Mance getting here? And he's like, well, he died when I put an arrow in him. And then everyone's like, what? Let's take this guy out. And Tormund's like, whoa, 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 boys. He, he he did it out of kindness. You know, when this other guy uh, tried to, you know, burn Mance at the stake. He tried, tried to do this strange religious ceremony to take out Mance. And he goes, it was brave. He defied the king's orders. And they're like, we're not going gonna to war with you for generations, and we're not going to forgive you. And John's like, I'm not going to forgive you either. I'm not asking you to forget you're dead. Because I lost 50 brothers when you know during that battle. But, you know, you, no, there's going to be no children or future if we don't uh, do something. Because the long night's coming, the dead are coming too. You know, we, maybe we could stop them together, maybe not. Uh, but at least we'll give him a good fight. And then somebody, the woman, she says, hey, I think her name, uh, the woman, I think her name's a little boda. Uh, she says, hey, Torman, you, you vouch for this guy? Because I, I don't trust him. He's a pretty boy. And he's like, well, yeah, he's a pretty boy, but I trust him. He's pretty badass. And she's like, if you do that, it's good enough for me. And a couple other guys are like, okay. But then the thins and a bunch of other people are like, hell no. And there was a couple other things. There was a the giant there just kind of listening And then when they say, Vouch, Tormund, John says, Tormund. So I said, is he going with Tormund? I guess so. And then after the Thens walk out, people are like, I hate those Thens. And the next scene, we have everybody ferrying people to ships. The boats are coming. They're trying to get the children out to the ships. And John and Tormund are talking in the mix of it about the free folk. And how stubborn. They're oh, they'll come along. There's no food. And then we have Laboda, you know, helping her daughters. And she's like, I'm going to go help the old folks. You kids, wait for the ship uh, on me. And then back in the meeting house, you have the giant kind of checking out the glass, And Ned is kind of like, hey, I'm trying to put the glass away. Which I said, "Jesus, well, Ned guy, what the hell is he doing? And the giant's like, what are you looking at? And he's like, never mind. And I have a note here that says, uh, doff these laughs. Which I don't know what that means, but... Uh, and we have some dogs barking and the storm starts to roll in. almost looks like an avalanche. And then he thinks the Then realizes something wrong. He's like, shut the gates, shut the gates. And there's a ton of people outside. All of them have like tiny axes. I was like, those aren't even battle axes. And there's all this blowing snow and mist. And then there's this rumbling and this crunching sound which we've learned to associate, like kind of like the ice crunch sound of the walkers. And then there's like this snow mist waterfall over the cliffs and the hilltops. And then they close, the people start screaming and running that are on the outside of the gates. And they're closing, the, they get the gates closed and they're pushing at the gates and the gates are creaking as the mist rolls in. And then there's that ice crunch sound again and then there's nothing. The mist rolls back out and it's quiet. And the thin with the. He, had a, he has a cool battle axe. He goes up to check. He looks through a little hole and he sees that uh, the Army Army of the Long Night has come. And they've got their ice eyes and they're trying to break through the gates, break through the walls. Panic hits. People are running through the boats in the water. They're fighting. Uh, The enemy army's coming over the gates. And then inside the meeting house, like you start to hear, they know there's trouble. You hear the sound of like swords being drawn. All the soldiers draw their swords. And they're looking up. They sense some things on the roof. A giant is up there looking right out of the the smoke hole in the roof. Terrible teeth on the giant. I felt bad for him. And then there's some of the, the long night army on the roof. And they start coming in, and then creatures are crawling, and then some of the armies crawling under the gate and over, and then they finally are breaking through. Our friend Loboda, she's helping us, she's trying to get people to the boats. And John's like, "Hold the line!" And then the some of the knights watch are like, "Lord Commander," and he's like, "Come back for me. I gotta make sure all this business is taken care of." But come back for me. And then it's like total chaos at the waterfront. You've got a camera that's, like, going through the snow and the water. Right in the middle of all this panic. And then you got John and the Tormund and Loboda. And they're like, we can't let them get through the gates. And you hear more. Then you hear the sound of more iron being drawn, swords being drawn out. And John's like, Night's Watch with me. And then behind them is the panic. And the boats are off in the distance. There's a storm rocking the boats. And then the enemies they break through the hole in the fence they start pouring through and there's this crazed battle breaks out. Massive amounts of the bad guys. John and Tormin are running at the hole. And Tormin's like grab a sled and John's holding the hole, holding someone right in the hole from coming through. And they Sen and the woman Sen uh, and Laboda are fighting people. John and Torman, they get the whole uh, uh, patched up, but then they uh, they look up and out. And I, this was like one of these wow moments. Uh, up on the top of the cliff, surveying everything that's happening are four horsemen, four White Walker horsemen. The, mo- the music fills the air, and it's just like this, this uh, moment. For me, time froze. And they push in a full frame of these four four horsemen. It was amazing, amazing image. And then John looks at them, and sees where he looks down. He's like, "Oh, they're looking at the meeting house, the dragon glass." And he fights his way through there. The hut's on fire. There's a roar. The dragon, the There's a roar, and then the giant busts out. It's covered in like. Enemies, like, just like he was covered in bugs on his back. We see he's got, like, a whale bone or some sort of giant tailbone he's wearing for armor. And he starts uh, crunching bad guys, stepping on them. There's even, like, you see one in the snow. And John charges into the hut. Uh, Thin's right behind him. There's fire, there's smoke. And then through the fire with a long sword on its back, I see—is that some sort of? At first I was—is that a bearded ice man? He's armored. Wait, wait a second—he's wearing armor. And then he gets goes, You say, "Geez, he's not ice. He's some kind of like—he's wearing this crazy layered leathered armor. And he's neither an Iceman nor a human. He's a White Walker, I guess. He's almost Gill-faced." He's got long hair, the piercing blue eyes, very cat-like, very cat-like, cool, as a nice man, even though he's not a nice man. And then the thin says, get the glass, I'll take this guy on. And then it's like, "Jesus, they can't find the glass. I'm like, who the hell, what the hell, Ned? Where the hell did you put the glass? And then the thing goes after the guy's weapon shatters. That's no good, and he's toast. One point we saw a little red marking on a pole in the tent. I said, Jesus, I wonder what that meant. Almost like a diamond shape. And then John finds a glass, but it's out of reach. He gets tossed by the White Walker. And he's having trouble getting up the slowly approaches John, the White Walker. He swings his sword at John. John ducks. I don't know if it's a sword, more of a, a pike type weapon, I think. And John dodges again. He almost punches the guy. And then the walker throws John again. And then John runs upstairs to the second floor. He grabs the sword that he found. That shatters. And John gets knocked down to the ground. Uh, Chest down. Like a a whole entire flight. And we get a close-up of the walker. And John's holding his ribs. He's trying to get up. His ears are ringing. And then he just runs for it. He finds his sword as he's running. The Walker's in pursuit. It's almost quiet outside at this point. And then John falls down in the snow, so exhausted and injured. And then the walker moves almost in slow motion, just like an animal. And he goes into John. John. John, like uh I think John, like, blocked one of his shots, his eyes are wide, and then John shatters the walker's weapon. So we're like, okay, Valyrian steel works against this guy. And then John takes him out with one stroke and shatters the guy, which if it's Dungeons and Dragons, that's like a critical hit, I think it's called. So it's pretty good. You say, well, if these weapons are always a critical hit, then we got a chance maybe. If only we had three dragons to make Dragon Glass. But John's hurt. He's out. He's tired and alone. And then up above, we see another close-up as watching is like this guy with his ice crowned head. And there's a symbol on his chest. And then he's he's very icy. He's more icy than the last guy. And I'm like, holy Hugo weaving. Is he? Are you in there, Hugo? And then John tries to get up, he falls down. Torment's fighting. The music strings start playing. Labode is fighting, and she's surrounded by these enemy children. John th- starts throwing up. Uh, Ned gets him. He's like, "What about the glass?" John's like, "We got to get out of here." Or John says, "I want up, He's like, "Let's go." And they hear this screech uh, from up on the cliff, and everybody goes silent again. And over the cliff comes a massive amount of energy enemy soldiers, not even worried about going over the cliff. They spill over the edge like snow and water. And then they get up and they're able to get back up. And it's like, run. And then Torment's fighting right by the wall. And, or Torment's fighting, and then the wall goes down, and then he's like, run, everyone, run. And then the giant, they're like, hey giant, run. And the gates break open, and the giant's like swinging a telephone pole with fire on it, trying to block their exit. And Ice Crown is watching this all go down. Then they run down to the dock, and the boat came back for John. It's waiting for them. And they're yelling for the giant who trudges in the water. And we watch the battle is clearly lost. And as the boat goes out, Jen and the, John and the men look on. at the last remnants of the battle. And we have a shot of the dock. And there's legs on the dock. And it's Ice Crown. He stands on the dock with this like grimace or something on his face. And John looks on. And they go back shot for shot. Everyone, he's standing in the boat. Everyone in the boat seems stunned. Uh, John's breathing heavy. Ice Crown's just giving this blue eyed stare. The ships are behind John. There's this giant storm there. And John scans the shore. There's like this face off. And then Ice Crown slowly raises his arms. As he raises his arms, the music begins to play. As he raises his arms, the music begins to play. He's got long nails. This evil look in his face. And then the, everyone that was in the battle rises up. And it's a stare down in silence. And it sinks in for John. What what, what they face as the blow, bolt slowly goes out. And the camera kind of pulls out. We see more and more details of the hills again. Even the water had different depths, like where you could see almost rocks underwater, like dark and light spots. And the small canoe that looked just so tiny rose out, rose away from the from this site of a, a total loss uh, to to, to the, the, the army of the long night. And that that's the uh, that was the end of the episode. And you might say, well, geez, well, what are they going to do for episode nine? Because isn't that what they usually do at episode? I say, hey, let's wait and find out, okay? Because I can't wait. And uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's 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 move on. It's was an intense, intense episode. Uh, wonderful stuff, though. So, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about uh, fool me once, uh, c- Cockles and oysters, bivalves. You know, I don't know if we'll talk about clams. Sorry, clams. We're going to talk about Vanilla, we're going to talk about the Thin Man, uh, but not the, th- you know, the, th- the Nick and Nora Thin Man, and then we're going to talk about, a uh, construction site, uh, viewing holes, and that'll be it, thanks. Alright, so at some point in the episode that I can't remember now that I just sat down to record, it was, uh. Somewhere like, you know, he said, you fool me once, fool me twice. I think oh, it was Jorah. They said, huh, the Khaleesi kicked you out once. And then you case, she said, don't ever come back. You came back, she kicked you out twice. And I don't know why. He didn't really fool the Khaleesi. Well, he tried, I guess, the first time. But it made me think of that saying, fool me once, fool me twice. And I know her former president had trouble with that saying. So, you know, similar, I have trouble with a lot of sayings, too. So, uh, you know, I'll keep my f- you know, finger pointing. They said, geez, let's do a little history. So I found this over at history.org, uh, Colonial Williamsburg uh, s- a Journal. Uh, this is from the Colonial Williamsburg Journal from winter, uh, February 2003. It's an article titled "Outdamned Proverbs, Eighteenth uh, Century Axioms, Axioms, Maxims, and Bywords." is written by James Bragg, B R E I G, and I'll be uh, quoting and paraphrasing from Mr. Bragg's article. Like many author before him, Robert Mun- Munford, a member of the Virginia House of Burgess, became a playwright and he wrote about what he loved: politics he also talked about what he didn't love in his play the candidates that's munfords it's a, a farce about an old dominion election campaign a character says don't preach your damned proverbs here and it, it talks about how a lot of people have a negative version of a negative view of proverbs but other people you know live their life by proverbs or the book of proverbs uh which is the 20th book in the Old Testament. And he talks about, um, and I don't know if this is a character from the play or a character from Colonial Williamsburg, but uh, that would rise and read the book of Proverbs. As Proverbs, such as a, a soft answer, turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Or he that spareth the rod hath his son, but he that loveth him, chaseth in him betimes uh, from an article axioms read in the bible quoted from classic reddit literature oh axioms read in the bible or from classical literature or, or you know or you know told told from generation to generation as star stories were part of life in the 1700s america everyone likes to like to use uh pythian sage sayings to make a point or tell a story, and the main sources with him were the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David and king of Israel. A 31 ch- chapter selection of maxims, and it for and in the first lines of it, it, it talks about the rewards of learning its sayings. Uh, chapter 1, verse 2 To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive words of understanding to re- receive instruction wisdom, justice, and a- a- equity, to give sublimity to the simple, uh, to give the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear learning, and a man of understanding shall attain wise counsel, and to understand a proverb and in the interpretation, the words of the wise in their dark sayings. Most proverbs, they say, have been handed down from the past, as if dropped from the lips of Adam and Eve. But in 1716, uh, Robert South, an Anglican preacher, said the, the, the proverb was an experience and observation of several age, ages gathered and summed into one expression. Uh, from the, uh, the article says, Lyndon Rob Roger Flavell, the authors of the dictionary Proverbs and their origins, says that the proverbs are a good illustration of how expressions seem to arise from nowhere and everywhere. They are, by definition, the wisdom of the people, and they are passed down from generation to generation in oral communication. But rarely does anyone get direct credit. Many many are attributed to Solomon, but he probably wasn't the one. But they say, you know, most proverbs originated in speech. You, You may not know who came up with it. And then the article talks about how understanding ancient axioms can pose a problem for modern readers because their meaning and words change over time. As a result, old expressions, you know, can mislead people. This is from the he's quoting the Flavelles. For example, putting one's nose to a grindstone, which modern people say that means work hard by choice. But the expression, which was around since the 16th century, originally meant to, to, to be cruel to someone against their will. Uh, and then English maxims can get enriched by other languages, French, Italian, and Spanish. For example, from the 1778 Pennsylvania Gazette, He lives in a glass house. A uh, Spanish proverb, should not throw stones. And then the uh, 1786 essay refers to English, or the non English form of a saying, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. And they say it might come from an Italian proverb, when a man deceives me once, it is his fault, when it's twice, it's mine. And the Flavells talk about linguistic borrowing, how it's you know, timeless. But it's hard to know what they're borrowing or if they're going for a universal theme or a specific theme. Like, like a bird in the hand is where two in the bush can be found in Romanian, Italian, Portuguese, Spanish, German, and Icelandic. It began in Latin. Uh, in the 18th century, the word proverb had meanings b- besides a concise expression of a received truth. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, I mean a common word or phrase of contempt or reproach. Uh, it could also mean a matter of common talk, an allegory. Uh, but a common and still current meaning was one Benjamin Franklin employed for 25 years in Poor Richard's Almanac. That made him, along with everything else, he was a paro- Emiologist, P-A-R-O-E-M-I-O-L-O-G-I-S-T. That word, coined in the late 18th century, means an expert in Proverbs and derives from the word paromia, which means byword. Franklin coined about 5% of the sayings in his almanac. He collected the remainder, reworking them from other sources. And that's what made uh, Franklin famous, who is such a maxim, such as many hands make light work, a penny saved is two pence clear, honesty is the best policy, kill two birds with one stone. The importance of proverbs then and now is indicated by you know, people who like to study these amorph- amorphisms. You know, there's websites packed with scholarly information and articles ranking popularity proverbs. And the top one is first come, first serve, followed by forgive and forget, money talks, first thing first. And why they're popular? Hallmarks are succinctness. Uh, they can train the truth in a nutshell. Another hallmark is commonality. A uh, short pithy saying in common use, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. Uh, "Look before you leap" dates to uh, 1694, and they say also Sam, At- Samuel Adams, John Adams, and Thomas Jefferson always all said "many irons in the fire." Uh, the familiarity of proverbs can breed contempt among people who consider them vulgar expressions trite and triviality are fatal to a proverb said isaac de israeli uh, father of benjamin in the late 18th century and in 1741 lord chesterfield advised his son to most carefully sidestep quote an awkwardness of expressions in words such as false english Bad pronunciations, old sayings, and common proverbs. Uh, and he says y- you be, be, you should be persuaded that you've never kept company with uh, footmen and housemaids. Uh, Voltaire says that many questions about human nature can be reserved to the vulgar proverb: "Was the hen before the egg, or the egg before the hen?" Uh, On the other hand, the French thinker could employ a dictum he found useful writing that it is a good proverb which says it is better to be envious than to have pity. Let us be envious, therefore, as hard as we can. And he could write his own maxim, such as it is dangerous to be right when the government is wrong. This article goes on to quite quite a bit more, but uh, pretty... uh, Pretty mind-numbing. I, I could can barely even make sense of it when I was reading it. And it's not to say anything bad about it. just, you know, probably above my uh, my my level of intellect. I am a pretty good... You know, I say, hey, you know, let's finish this segment up before the chickens hatch, you know. But it said that uh, James Bragg, B-R-E-I-G, is an Albany, New York writer, and editor, and contributed, speaking of the past, the words of Williamsburg to the summer 2001 journal. So that's a little bit about Proverbs, I I think. But yeah, we do. All right, thanks. Okay, so for some reason, this podcast can't get away from uh, uh, Madonna La Bonita references every once in a while. And uh, Aria seemed to be taking, you know, she's like, if they had had access to MTV, she said, I'm going to create a bivalve sales girl you Know who in the style of Madonna from Elias La Bonita, he said, No, it's not a tribute or cop, it's in the style of. So I said, Oh, geez, that reminds me of that Madonna a little bit. Not sure what because it's in the style of I say, Well, I'm not a stylist, it just hark, I guess, harkens back or well, cross transharkening in this case because it's going across universes trans hearkening style that's pretty progressive i'd say well she says a progressive to go trans you say tro transgressive you say no because doesn't it doesn't transgressive mean it's okay yeah and again I'm, I'm out of my league here but i said uh she said oysters cackles," and i said okay cackle i've heard that word before I don't know what that is. I said I'd like to learn a little more about oysters, too. So let's get to that. Uh, so let's start with cockles. C-O-C-K-L-E is how you spell it. And according to Wikipedia, it is a bivalve a small edible saltwater clam, a mollusk in the family Cardiidae. C-A-R-D-I-D-A-E, They live in sandy, sheltered beaches throughout the world. The distinctive round shells of the cockles are bilaterally symmetrical and are heart-shaped when viewed from the end. Uh, Numerous radial, even-spaced ribs occur in most, but not all. Uh, Cockle shells are able to close completely, so they don't have an opening on their edges. Although they superficially resemble scallops, uh, cockles can be dis- distinguished from scallops morphologically in that cockle shells lack auricles, uh, triangular ear shapes near their hinge lines. And sc- scallop shells lack a, pi- a uh, paleo sinus. I think I have a paleo sinus uh, this week. Uh, behaviorally, cockles also live buried in sediment where scalps live on the seafloor, attached by a byssus, or are free living. Uh, the old cockle mantle has three apertures uh, an inhalant, an exhalant, and a pedal for siphoning water for the foot to protrude. Oh, for siphoning water and for the foot to protrude. Uh, cockles typically burrow using the foot and feed by filtering plankton from the surrounding water. Wow, that's interesting. I had no idea what bivalves ate till just now. is a learning experience here. Uh, cockles are able to jump by bending and straightening their foot, and as in the case of many bivalves, uh, cockles display no. Chorism, gonochorism, uh, the sex, their sex varies depending on conditions And some species, of l- l- gonochorism, and some species reach materi- maturity quickly The common name cockle is also given by seafood sellers to a number of other small edible bivalves That are somewhat similar in shape and sculpture but, uh, you know, are in other families, uh, Venus clams and arc clams. But cockles from the Car, Cardiidae are true cockles. And it looks like there's about 200 living species of cockles, many more fossilized cockles. You got the common cockle in northern Europe, Ireland, the Barents Sea in the north, Norway in the east, and as far south as Senegal. You got the dog cockle, uh, which is similar habitat to the common cockle, not related though. It's edible but pretty tough, so it's generally not eaten. If, if It's tough if cooked, though they're working on that. They say, hey, wh- who wouldn't want to eat a dog cockle if we figure out a way to make it you know, taste good? And then you have the blood cockle, not related to true cockles in the arch- archidae family. And that's extensively cultured from Korea to Malaysia. Uh, So that's a little bit about cockles. What about these oysters? All right, so oyster, the word oyster is a common name for different families. uh, Oyster is a common name for different families of saltwater clams, bivalve mollusks that live in marine or brackish habitats. And some species of valves are calcified and somewhat irregular in shape. Uh, many, but not all, all, oysters are in the superfamily Osterodia. Well, it ends in idea. Ost, Rio idea. Osterio idea. Uh, sometimes the oysters are, are commonly consumed, cooked raw, cooked or raw by humans as a delicacy. And some kinds of pearl oysters are harvested for the pearl produced in the mantle. Uh, and the windowpane oysters are harvested for their translucent ske- shells, which are made, made into different decorative objects. Uh, f- first in English in the 14th century, oyster comes from the Old French oistre, in turn from the Latin ostrea, the feminine form of oistreum is, oh, is, isosis, which is from the Greek Oste, ostrean oyster. Uh, also, uh, so pearl oysters; uh, those are almost all shell shell-bearing mollusks can, can secrete pearls, but not all are valuable. Pearl oysters are not re- closely related to true oysters, but are a distinct family uh, called the feathered oysters. Both cultured pearls and natural pearls can be extracted from pearl oysters. Though other mollusks, such as freshwater mussels, also yield pearls of uh, commercial value, huh? Uh, the largest pearl-bearing bear, oyster is the marine Pincada maxima, which is roughly the size of a dinner plate. Not all individual oysters produce pearls. Naturally, in fact, in a harvest of two and a half tons of oysters, only three to four oysters produce perfect pearls. Oh, this is, holy cow, this is interesting. In nature, pearl oysters produce pearls by covering a minute invading parasite with nacreae. N-A-C-R-E. Over the years, an irritating object is covered with enough layers of nacre to become a pearl. The many different types, colors, and shapes of pearls depend on the natural pigment and the shape of the original irritant. Wow. It was a parasite. I never knew that either. Cool. Per- pearl farmers can culture a pearl by placing a nucleus usually a, a polished piece of mussel shell inside the oyster. In three to seven years, the oyster can produce a pearl. But these pearls aren't as valuable as the natural pearls because they don't have a parasite in the middle, but look exactly the same. In the beginning of the 20th century, when researchers discovered how to produce artificial pearls, the cultural pearl market has outgrown the natural pearl market. Well, other types of oysters are... Uh, you know, they have the name oyster, but they're, they're not true oysters, or they can yield pearls. You got thorny oysters, pilgrim oysters, saddle oysters, demerian oysters, windowpane oysters. Uh, let's just skip ahead. This. this is about nutrient cycling. Bivalves, including oysters, are effective filter feeders. and can have large effects on the water columns in the, which they occur. As filter feeders, they remove plankton and organic particle, water, particles from the water column. Uh, many studies have shown that an oyster can filter up to 50 gallons of water a day, and they improve water quality and clarity. They consume some nitrogen-containing compounds, phosphates, plankton, detritus, bacteria, and dissolved organic matter from the water. And what is not used is expelled as solid waste pellets, which decompose into uh, nitrogen. Wow. In Maryland, the Chesapeake Bay program uses oysters to remove some amount of nitrogen entering the Chesapeake Bay by 19 million pounds, 19 million pounds a year, 8,600 tons. And then we'll just finish up with human history. Uh, Middens testify to the prehistoric importance of oysters in food. UK, the town of Whitstable is noted for oyster farming on the beds of the Kentish Flats, that have been used since Roman times. Uh, the borough of Colchester produces has an annual oyster fest. And the U.K. has many other oyster festivals. Many breweries produce an oyster stout that's good with oysters. And the French seaside of Brittany is noted for its oysters, which date to Roman times. The Sergius Orata of the Roman Republic was the first merchant cultivator of oysters. Uh, using his considerable knowledge of hydraulics, he brought bought, uh, created a sophisticated cultivation system, uh, including channels and locks to control the ties. He was so famous for his Romans who used to say he could breed oysters on the roof of his house. In the early 19th century, oysters were cheap and mainly eaten by the working class. Throughout the 19th century, oyster beds in the New York Harbor were the largest source of oysters worldwide. On any day in the late 16th century, six million oysters could be found on barges tied up along the city's waterfront. They were quite popular in New York City, helped to start kick off the restaurants. Uh, New York's oystermen became skilled cultivators of their beds, which provided employment for hundreds of workers and food for thousands. Eventually, rising demand exhausted the beds. And to increase production, they introduced four foreign species, which brought disease, affluent, and sedimentation from erosion, which destroyed most of the beds by the early 20th century. Oysters' popularity is putting ever-increasing demand on wild oyster stocks. The scarcity has increased prices, converting them from their working-class role to an expensive delicacy. In the U.K., the native variety takes five years to mature and is protected by an act of parliament during the May to August spawning season. Uh, The current market is dominated by the larger Pacific oyster and rock oysters, which are farmed year-round. So that's a little bit about cockles and oysters. So when Aria says, serving the oysters, she says, do you want them with vanilla? And I said, said, vanilla and oysters, Isn't it strange. Somebody said, are you sure they didn't say vinegar? And I said, well, I watched it twice. I'm pretty sure they said vanilla, but I do, you know, get my words mixed up. So it could have been vinegar, but I looked up vanilla. Because I said, isn't vanilla expensive? Isn't it a hotbed of debating or something? And I found this website, uh, vanilla.servolux.nl. Uh, where they we eat, drink, sleep, and think vanilla. And I'm going to read this as an article from 2007, updated in 2010, copyright Servolux. And I'm just going to you know to quote from it a little bit here. history of vanilla is a remarkable story, intrigue, passion, piracy. Flavors our foods. It's the secret ingredient that even makes medicine go down easier, and it's in perfume. It can lift spirits, soothe nerves, and make you feel good, and maybe even help you lose weight. It's a flavoring variety derived from orchids, really, in the genus uh, vanilla that's native to Mexico. Uh, vanilla comes from a Spanish word, vaina, not nilia, meaning little pod. And vanilla beans are also referred to as pods or black flower. Uh, after the mature bean, which shrivels and turns black after it's picked, the history starts out with the Toton, Totonaco Indians of Mexico, and they were the first keepers of vanilla. They inhabited the Mazantala, Maz, Mazantala, Mazantala Valley on the coast of the Gulf of Mexico near present day Veracruz. According to the Totonaca mythology, a tropical orchid was born when the pre- princess Zanat, uh, forbidden by her father, Mary mortal, fled to the forest with them, and they got captured. And when some of their blood touched the vound- ground, an uh, orchid grew. In the 15th century, Aztecs from uh, the highlands of Mexico conquered the t- Totonac, and they developed a taste for vanilla. Whereas most tribes paid tribute to the Aztecs with maize or gold, they sent vanilla to the Aztec kings. And, you know, they were demanded to relinquish their exotic fluid of the Tila vanilla beans. And then history repeated itself when the Aztecs were conquered by the Spanish. And Cortez brought back to Spain the plunder of vanilla beans, which were f- combined with cacao to create a pleasant and pleasing drink. For 80 years, this beverage was only enjoyed by nobility and the very rich. In 1602, Hugh Morgan, uh, who worked for Qu- Queen Elizabeth I, suggested vanilla. It could be used just as a flavoring by itself. And that's when the things went crazy for vanilla. Historically, until the mid 19th century, Mexico was the chief producer of uh, vanilla. But in 1819, uh, French entrepreneurs shifted the beans to Reunion and Mauritius Islands with the hope of producing vanilla, uh, where it, it did thrive. And it's where they also started to create uh, bourbon verna- vanilla. And soon they were sent there to Madagascar. And now those places are booming producers. Actually, today there's five areas. Each has a vanilla with its own characteristics. We should have a little vanilla sampling. You have Madagascar. Uh, And then you have the Bourbon Islands, uh, which is Madagascar. It uh, looks like Indonesia and Madagascar create 90%. Oh, yeah, Indonesia is the second largest producer. And their vanilla is more woody, astringent, and phenolic, where Madagascar beans are uh, creamy, sweet, smooth, and mellow. Uh, then Mexico is the next uh, producer, but it's a smaller producer. Theirs is creamy, sweet, smooth, and spicy then Tahiti, there's this fruity anise, anisink, and smooth, and then India, which is slowly expanding their cultivation. And they don't have a flavor for, I'd say, huh, they don't have a flavor. And they don't have a yeah, flavor profile for India. Uh, the price of vanilla beans rose dramatically in the 70s due to a typhoon. They say it's stable through the 80s. In the mid 80s, a vanilla cartel that uh, controlled prices uh, disbanded. Prices dropped 70% over the next few years. But then there was another typhoon which struck in 2000. And prices went back up to, to peak in 2004. And then uh, as of 2007 or 2010, the prices were, were, were down but still expensive so that's a little bit about vanilla. Interesting. I had no idea again, I'm learning a lot tonight of vanilla comes from an orchid plant. That's cool. Okay, so we have a weird uh, overlap here because when I thought they they called the man, the uh, insurance man the thin man. And to me the thin man is the name of it would be I said jeez, that's a cool name for a movie, but then it is a movie which I think I watched the first time in college maybe. And it's a movie, a series of movies that has a cult following. Uh, but what's, what's weird, I guess it's not weird, but like last week we were talking about like The Long Night and The Long Goodbye and whatever The Poison was called. I think it was called Long Farewell. And I think there's a movie called The Long Goodbye. And I don't think, I don't, like The Thin Man's based on Dashiell Hammett. And I think The Long Goodbye is based on. um. Uh, maybe Sam, I, I, I don't know, who, but, but it, they're both these detective stories. But I didn't talk about that last week because we just didn't have time. But I know a few people that are obsessed with these Nick and Nora movies. Uh, and if you haven't heard of them, I'll well, talk about it. The Sin Man's a 1934 American comedy mystery uh, directed by W.S. Van Dyke and based on a novel of the, by the same t- name, uh, Dashiell Hammett. Uh, the film stars William Powell and Myrna Lloyd as Nick and Nora Charles. Uh, Nick is a hard drinking retired private detective, and Nora is a wealthy heiress. Their, wire-hair, their wire-haired fox terrier asta is played by canine actor Skippy. Uh, the first screenplay was written by Albert Hackett and Francis Goodrich. A married couple in 1934. The film was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture. Uh, the the title Thin Man is not Nick, but the man Charles is initially hired to find. Interesting, so Aria. Uh, Clyde, why not? Uh, partway through, through the film, Charles describes not as a thin man with white hair uh the thin man moniker was thought by many viewers to refer to nick and after a time it was used in the uh uh titles of the sequels as if it was referring to him uh spoiler alert here comes the plot uh nick charles is a retired detective and his wife Nora they're attempting to settle down uh they're based in los angeles but they decide to spend christmas in new york he's pressed back into service uh by a young woman whose father, an old friend of Nick's, has disappeared uh, after something went wrong. Uh, the fr- friend, Claude Winth, the thin man, uh, has vanished. His former secretary and love interest, Julia Wolfe, is found no longer living. Evidence points to him as the suspect, but his daughter refuses to believe that her father is guilty. She convinces Nick to take the case, much to the amusement of his wife, who is a socialite. Uh, The detective begins to uncover clues and eventually solves the mystery of the disappearance uh, by investigating. Uh, The the murderer is uh, revealed in the classic dinner party scene that features all the suspects. A body found after the investigation is assumed to be that of the fat man, because it's a wearing oversized clothing the clothes are revealed to be planted the identity of the body is determined by old war wound to a leg and it turns out it belonged to the thin man wine uh the the the, the crime has been disguised in such a way to make it look like wine was the killer but the real killer i won't say who it is but they stole some money Uh, Production. The film was shot in twelve out of fourteen days. Uh, It was released May twenty fifth, nineteen thirty four. Only four months after the book it came come out in January of thirty four. At the time of the production, MGM had fifty to ninety projects going, and they didn't give any attention to the movie. Uh, Van Dyke was able to convince them to let Powell play Nick Nick Charles. Uh, the biggest fear was that people would see uh, Powell as a super sleuth he had played in earlier Paramount movies. Uh, the film was a success and it fought, spawned five sequels after The Thin Man, Another Thin Man, Shadow of the Thin Man, The Thin Man Goes Home, and Song of the Thin Man. In 2002, Ebert, Roger Ebert, added the film to his list of great movies. He praised William Powell's, Powell's performance and stated that Powell is to dialogue as Frederick stares to dance. His delivery is so droll and insinuating, so knowing and innocent at the same time, that it hardly matters what he's saying. Uh, in 97, the movie was added to the U.S. Film Registry, determined to be culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. In 2000, AFI does designate the film one of the great film comedies over the last hundred years. Uh, the trailer contains specially filmed f- footage in which Nick, and, Nick, Nick is on the cover of the novel The Thin Man. He steps out of the cover to talk to fellow detective Philo Vance, also played by Paul, about his latest case. The uh, Thin Man was dramatized as a radio play uh, with William Powell and Myrna, Lloyd, uh, Myrna Loy reprising their film roles. Uh, the 1976 comedy spoof Murder by Death it has the characters of Nick and Nora's Dick and Dora, played by David Niven and Maggie Smith. There was an a, a 80s uh, TV romantic drama called Heart to Heart. Uh, starring Robert Wagner and Stephanie, Power, uh, yeah, Stephanie Powers. There was a 2005 animated film, Hoodwink, that uh, had a frog detective based on Nick Charles. And an Australian crime comedy, Mr. and Mrs. Murder, from 2003, had Nicola and Charlie B- 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 Buchanan. So that's a little bit about the thin man. And. Uh, Maybe I'll rewatch it. I, I, I said, well, I, that's what I said. I, I think I had to watch it for a class. But, uh, well, maybe. Uh, so when we're at Home and after that scene where the snow cloud comes in and they close the gate and it's all quiet and the, the thin goes up to the gate and looks through a little hole to see what's on the other side, And it reminded me of uh, the holes in fences, especially in New York City, when I lived in New York City, where you could look through and look at construction sites and check them out. And even as a kid growing up, you know, five hours from New York City, so many children's books that I read took place in New York City. And I think even as a child, my subconscious was filled with dreams of going to New York City in looking through people's at uh, construction sites, and I don't know if anybody else shares that childhood uh i don't I don't know what it is a desire, and I said, "Well, geez, I got to live it. I don't know if I appreciated it enough, but I said, "Well, let's take a little time to look this up so over on Quora, someone asked why do construction sites have holes cut in the fence for people to peek through? Is it you know?" tradition or law and a couple of people answered one was a bruce one was bruce a real estate broker who said there are a code requirement in new york city for construction site fencing to allow city inspectors and the public to see the site and chain link fencing isn't permitted because it could, d- debris and stuff could come through the holes and injure people so since you can only use solid panel fencing you have to have these openings other people said it was to keep people from climbing in to look or climbing up to look or as a marketing technique. But then I found this over at uh, this uh, site, NASKeras, N-A-S-K-E-R-A-S dot com, NASKeras Studios. And this was from article, uh, wow, 2011, 20, uh, March 2011. Yeah, this is uh, written in uh, 2011 by Than Thanos uh, 144 Trigger Finger Peepholes, and a quote from it: is, "Trigger Finger is a series of posts that dedicated to impulsive and instinctive cell phone photography that's developed over the years for times when you don't have your best camera, but a moment still worth capturing." And the, the officer says, there's a new construction site in town. Typically, large trail construction renovation projects are shielded with large blue plywood barriers. Sometimes a contractor will cut out crude holes in the plywood to give pedestrians a glimpse into the building process. This is not quite the case here. The blue plywood is surrounding the construction at 6th Ave and 43rd Street, has been carefully embellished with some decals and some 3 by 3 co-centric squares. I noticed the squares had peepholes installed in the center, so I approached thinking I would get to see a freshly poured building foundation as well as some erected steel. Uh, to my surprise, I found pretty pictures in each hole with a website linking, link at the bottom. The, the ICP, or International Center for Photography, is undergoing an extensive renovation of their school their new Grace Plaza is set to open its doors later this year. Meanwhile, ICP is giving us a peep at something else. Each hole showcases the uh, photography of an ICP alumnus in almost a diorama-like enclosure. And one of the author's favorite is a photo uh, a photo uh, steam by Liz Sales. And I'll link to the article so you can see it. It's uh, just, just art. You'd have to check it out. And the, the author says, hey... Yeah, I recommend uh, going by on your lunch break and having to look through these peepholes. And he also has a link to Liz Sales' website and the ICP, uh, and to the uh, the ICP website. So that's a little bit about peepholes. Okay, the mic's on. And uh, this is me. And I'm in, i uh, mean, I'm in. I'm in... Okay, 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 just stick with me. I'm going to hold the mic. Look, there's Sir Pounce. Hey, Sir Pounce, come here. Come here, kitty. Hey, buddy. Good to see you. Oh, yeah. You like it when I scratch you with a... I love it when a cat scratches itself as it's the same. You, Sir Pounce, how you doing? Is that uh, Tomin' around? He's under a... Is that lump in the bed, Tommin? Okay. Is, 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 is that Tomin' in the bed? Uh, Sir Pounce, can you jump over there and uh, get close to him? Oh, hold on, let me see. Okay, the, the lump's moving; it's breathing. Wow, Sir Pounce, you look great. Uh, how's it been going? I don't know. window pane. You could do. You, I don't think you guys have window panes here. Well, no. I okay, do. Do you have windows? Is that technology? Rain, some rain. Please don't rain. Okay. Um, which is, a, uh, how many, Sir Pounce, you look very healthy. Your coat is shiny. Have you been eating? Were all those chicken carcasses outside? Why you not rain? Okay, I don't understand you, but anyway. Well, Sir Pounce, uh, have you seen Tom at all? I'm just going to sit here on the bed next to what is What is it? Are these pillows? Pillows? <laughs> Oh, the pillow's just made a noise. Go away. Uh, Sir Pounce, was that you? Did you learn how to throw your voice? Because I'm just going to put my elbow here on this. <laughs> go away. Uh, uh, Sir Pounce, did you say that? it? said, holy cow, these pillows move. Sir Pounce, uh, did you see these pillows move? I said, go away. Oh, uh, wait, and are you under these pillows? Tommen, is that you? No. Oh it's not Tom and Bummer. Um Hey, Easter hey, Pounce, have you seen Tommen uh, Tom at all? Where's Wainwright? Uh, Martha Wainwright? Is that is that is that a, Martha I think you got two people mixed up. Cause I was just gonna record the show. I, I you know I came out here to record the show because I hadn't heard from Tom and And I was worried about him because he's you know uh, you know, even though I'm a lower regular how do you say it sir pounce am I sir Pounce, am I royal clothes? no, you're not royal, oh, okay, hey lump of pill uh, uh, oh is it uh, sir pounce who's wh- what's under these covers? no one. Oh. hey, sir Pounce, what do you say we do the show this week without Tom, and if he's not here, are you ready to go mm. okay Well well Oh, you don't know, because you're yeah, best, fr- your best friends with Tom, and so I should probably... L- That's right, only a best friend would stand. Hey, wait a second, that sounds like the tones of a best friend talking to a best friend. Tom and is that you down there? I told you, it's not me. Uh, Tom. And I know it's you now. Listen, buddy, uh, can you come out from under the blankets? No, I cannot come out from these blankets until everything is going to be fine. Okay, well, hey, Tom, do you want to do the show, uh, uh, do you want to do the show under the blankets? I never want to do the show again or eat again or see anyone again ever, especially not the maester or my uncle Kevin who, who raised his voice in me. Okay, um, well, what if I do the show, and how, how about this, Tommen, how about this? I'll start the show, and you can correct me for everything I do wrong. How does that sound? Well, Pudman, that would be silly, because you'd do it all wrong. Yeah, and then you could help me learn, just in case. Because the world needs to know about best friendship, Tommen, and, and they look to you and Sir Pounce as a beacon, a, a, a light, a, a titan of friendship, uh, guarding the harbor where friends go to gather and learn how to be best friends. And without you and Tom in the world, you know, my world, will lose hope of, of, of discovering best friendship or even something, just a pale comparison of the friendship of you and uh, Sir Pounce. Well, I don't care about your world i I don't care about anything okay well okay well how about doing do't you do, don't you like correcting me though and what if I'm just because I'm not oh man what is a freaking, how do I, so sir so, Pounce, can you help me out here okay um well, the thing is I have the ill phones and the r- r- rocketers, so I'll just start to show. And then record it and release it. I guess I have no choice. But I'll just do it here just in case, you know, anyone decides to correct me. You know, that way I don't misrepresent best friendship. Especially best friendship in space. Okay, okay. Let me see here. Oh, yeah. Ooh, uh, some uh, Here, Does it? can I pat your back? It's not my back. Okay. Uh, is that your head? Am I patting your head or your butt? But neither it's my knee. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we uh, w- welcome you back to K Pounce Radio, K Pounce the Radio Station of Best Friendship. Welcome to our afternoon adventure theater, where uh, we uh, we talk about. Uh, wow! 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 wow. Was a whiz and you sound like Sir Pounce now. Uh, where we talk about best friendship, adventures of best friends, particularly the friendship you all tune into here between Sir Tommen and Sir Pounce, two best friends, through through thick and thin. And this is the tale: Tommen and Pounce in space. With without Doctor Panic? Okay, i us see. So, uh, what'd you think of that, that Sir Pounce? Well, well. Anybody else have any comments? It was it was pretty good the first part, and then the second part was terrible. Okay, thanks, Tom. Okay, when we last left off, our heroes were uh, they had uh, uh, Tom and. Let me see if I remember it, because it was one of the most exciting... I know Tommen had originally told the tale. And it was so exciting, I hope I can do it justice by just filling in on what happened. But Tommen had to... What did he do? Was that when you went to the bathroom in the uh, the bottles? Or was a No, that was many episodes earlier. Uh, was it Dr. Panic got fired, or was that two episodes? No. Oh. Uh, oh that's right. did you apologize? Uh so Tommen had recovered from accidentally destroying a galaxy of innocence and had headed back to with it, consulting with his best friend. Uh they had decided uh because they had heard from Kelpelina that she loved Tommen more than water. And Kelp, the Queen of Kelp had loved what was that what she no, she was mad at me. Oh she was mad at her love for Sir Tommen. And she she said her love would travel across time and space and would live in the the the, the hearts of No it's not, that's not what I okay, just get out of my way. Okay. Uh supposed so so do you read me? right okay uh i i need uh four chickens and uh, uh i'd like to try some ale actually can you could you do that for me rice Ryan? wine okay and then uh, padman you uh uh do a do, a, do a, like humming while i eat okay that, okay i just don't understand please padman i'm upset okay ba ba boo, skip a in space, it's space with time and bounce, with and bounce and bounce in space, a ba 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 da ba some chicken and bump in space, Time and Pound oh man, that's a Christmas song you sang me. Oh, it's and Pounce in space, hey! Are you done? Oh, yes, okay. Oh, Sir Pounce, Sir, Sir Pounce can you set a course? this is, Sir Pounce, I've come up with a plan. It will sound controversial. We need to rescue the Queen of Confusion. Was it when? Yes, I have brought in a consultant, the Padman. He is here to co- wait a second time you're gonna let me be part of your your crew yes 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 I am you've deserved it for for patting my knee that tickled me and then when your elbow was in my side that's where it came out and plus I could not breathe under there and I I was hungry for those chickens and I liked that song the first part of it okay let's just do the show now okay so to uh, so bounce Padman uh, come sit close to me in my, cons- you know, not too close. That's too close, Podman. Uh, we, we are going to rescue the Queen of Confusion. Yeah, set a direct course, please. And Podman, I'm sure you have many questions. Why, why would, it- okay, go ahead, go ask me. Don't you have any comments, sense, Podman, of that narrative? Oh, sorry. Uh, why would, wait, you're going to, wait a second. You're going to rescue the Queen of C- Confusion? I'm confused, Tommen. Oh God, Padman, you are not an actor, so you must really like me then, because you are no actor anyway. Ah uh, yes, Padman, I have. Uh, I I went into that deep uh, state of concentration there, uh, where I uh, put myself in a, a self-imposed cocoon. Uh, so I could study the situation and the mistakes I've made in the past, and I believe. And, Padman, be ready to be shocked and try to act more shocked than. And, Sir this may traumatize you as well. I believe the Queen of Confusion is caught in her own web of confusion. Okay, Padman, and you would ask a question here. You know, why? And why, why do you think that, that, that? She's trapped in her own web of confusion. She needs to be rescued. And why do you know this, sir? I, because I believe I am her son. Yeah. Whoa. Her son, the Queen of Confusion, is your mother. Uh, yes, I'm quite sure of it. uh I believe, if you look at space record five billion two six k five, it's implanted in the necklace around Subpounce's uh, neck. I I broke it in a transcoder last night, and I sucked on the the the, the, the diamond shape, and it absorbed into my brain. I processed it, and I figured out the Queen of Confusion is my mother. She needs my help. She's trapped in her own confusion. And we made. Sir so Pounce, what's our arrival time? Okay. So, Padman, we need to prepare for. We'll have to fight her army, which has trapped her. We'll have to. Uh, I believe she will recognize me as her son. She will attempt to confuse me. We will let her trap us. And you may be—I uh, don't think she'll want you at all, Podman. So she may try to do away with you. Uh, are you willing to face that fate? Ah, uh, sure, sure, Tom. Do you think she will you grab me close to her when she wants to get rid of me, or—and you know, or just get rid of me? Probably just get rid of you, Podman. But you'll be with us. She'll try to trap us, and we're going to have to take her trap. We're going to have to let her think she has had achieved total victory in order to rescue her. And, you know, teach her, her, possibly I think we could unconfuse her. And say, don't you want to be a loving mother? And I think now the Queen of Confusion, I believe, does not like cats. But I believe we have to do something to make this right, and it is on me. And Sir Pounce, and now you, Padman, you've gotten yourself involved. What do you think of all this, Sir Tom? And I'm just so proud to be considered something close to your friend. Oh, Padman, you changed your voice that you almost acted there. Uh, thank you, Sir Tom. And I'm just emulating your voice in a way because I—that's—that's I, I, that's, you're so inspiring to me. Oh, Padman, well, that's a great. So, Padman, I'm going to need you to clean the bathrooms now, and uh, especially the uh, bathroom in my, my... Well, all the bathrooms, they have not been cleaned. And so, Pounce and I will be taking naps cause we have, uh, to transfer hyperspace. And, uh, so, so, so thomas what do you think we... What will we do... When, how will we... Once the queen traps us, uh, how... Oh, bad man, you, you know, you have taught me a little bit about your, you know, you say, geez, I'm going to help Tom and by using Rivers as a psychologist and tricking me and saying you were going to marry my mother, pretend you were me. And that was, that was one time and then you many other times. And then you came to my room, despite the Martin saying he would get you if you came. To a place of Besteros and, and saying never, you know, he banned all fiction he is from his kingdom. You said, no, I will come to my friend Tommen. Or do you, do you just use me for your show? The show, you using me as a, a tool for your show. I uh, will be honest, Tommen, the people love your show. They love you and Tommen. They they love you and Pounces in, in space or anywhere. But no, I, I was just worried about you. That's why, you know, otherwise I would have just pretended to be you. But I, I came to get you because, I, you know, I heard you weren't... I want to make sure you were okay. And I knew you'd probably be down with everything, with the of confusion, being trapped in our own confusion. It can be a confusing thing. Uh, out here in space, you know, it's so vast. Uh, a boy, a man man, a man and his cat, a best friend, could feel lost, you know, maybe, and then maybe just try to find some direction, and then maybe feel more lost, I don't know, but, and I say, Jesus, this is a rash action, should I be, okay, Padmin, I don't know what you're talking about now, but uh, maybe I felt lost, maybe, uh, maybe, uh oh, 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 dear, what was that, I don't know what was that oh, Bounce around and say, Oh, dear, oh dear, what was that? That's uh, about what was happening right know right now, right well, oh dear, we're caught in the web of confusion uh okay, Sir okay, bounce. do you know what to do oh I yeah, know yeah, yeah. no okay, uh, shut down all our sensors uh, send out all signals to block the detectors. We are going to con c- c- we are going to cocoon ourselves, the, the podman and I, and launch ourselves out of the ship. Uh, Sir Pounce, stay with the ship. No, no, no. Uh, Sir Pounce, we'll will, 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 will need you to join us, is that okay? Rather. Wine, wine Yes, wine wine, for sure. Uh, podman, you, do you say wine wine as well? Uh, wine wine, wine rine. Ah, yes, you, you say a bit like Sir Pounce, not as good, though. We are going to con- con- cocoon ourselves in a special material I have, a comfartar, and it will protect us from the uh, harmful emptiness of space, as you said, where we feel all alone will be cocooned together, uh, and we will float through space until we find our way to rescue the Queen of Confusion. So let us go to the air like a kazoo—oh, no, oh, oh, what was about? what was that? rain, run, run, run. Okay, she's pulling us in the the. the, 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 the we we need to hurry padman. Go get a, all the don't worry about cleaning the bathrooms get all the comforters out of the beds and, and meet me at the airlock. Okay, so should I do a song while I do that? Uh, so Oh God, Podman. Yes, just do do this. Watch it watch watch how I do it, okay? Okay, go padman, I will go to the airlock. Whoosh, whoosh. Ah, Podman, oh you've done well. Okay, now, if you watch my moves, watch this. I'm knitting. Okay, so now we have ourselves an airtight cocoon of comfort, and we are going to launch ourselves out of the airlock, and then soon we will see what will happen. Will our cocoon comfort hide us from the queen of confusion where she thinks she has a strapped? But then she will say, my son is gone. Where is my son? But we will be listening in to hear her sorrow as we sneak into her base. Probably. That, that won't be tonight, though. Will we sneak into her base and listen in and hear her cry for her son? Cry for his forgiveness and say, uh, you know, maybe, oh, maybe, you know what, you stay. You will remind her, you know, watch out for her because she might try to get you but you are so fast, and she will find, how do you feel, I don't mind, you don't mind, okay, good, and then uh, we will say, oh, well, here's your son, and a podman to take out your anger on, and your son to love so much, and now we are a family again, confusion lifted, no innocent universe is destroyed except on pikes, and all will be well, so that is it, podman for tonight, okay? What will happen next week? Make sure you tune in to find out. Whoa, on Tommen and Pounce in, in space, uh, with the comic stylings of the Podman, in- inadvertent comic stylings of the Podman. Oh, thanks, thanks, Tommen. Oh, and this is K Pounce Radio signing off. The radio of best friendship, where friendship rules the airwaves. K Pounce okay podman thank you uh podman could you go to could fetch me four, i need four more chickens to eat and uh some lemon cakes and some spice cakes and could well, one no, time and I'm not even allowed to be here if sir, somebody like Sir Marin finds me oh podman you are you are, so how do you get back uh ruin never mind it'll be confusing, but I'll see you soon, okay make sure you eat and make sure you are you drinking liquids. Oh yes, I've I've been dream. I uh, no, but I will now. Okay, thank you, Podman, for coming to see me. Sir Pounce, did you go and lick Sir Pod, Podman's uh, between his thumb and his finger? Oh yeah, that's why wow, you have a sandpapery tongue, Sir Pounce. All right, Simon. Well, if you need anything, um, uh, I'll see you next week, I guess. But just think, you got your best friend. You'll be okay. All right. Oh yes, Batman. I'm fine, thank you, and good day. All right, that's it. Uh, not in Basteros. Just uh, imaginary stuff here. Imaginary boy and his cat. Uh, the end. For, you know, for to uh, I'm gonna go back to my place by right, time for my prayers. Miller Smith Crone, Jester Barky. Yeah, uh, crone, sweet, sweet crone. it's me praying in uh, my, uh, I, I was like, Geezy, maybe I'll leave a blank piece of paper with a pen near my bed in case the gods want to get a hold of me, but that's been blank, so I said, well, I guess I'm not right, you know, you guys might not be big on notes, or maybe say, well... Writing a mysterious note might freak him out if he was there when the pen was going, which is probably right. So you guys are, watch- I trust your wisdom. But yeah, I got to, you know, obviously lying to you guys is just a, a bad habit. You know, I you know I can't fool you guys, but a lot of times I fool myself. And then maybe that's when I'm fooling myself. Then boom, I walk into one of those, you know, doors or overhangs and I say, oh boy, Oh, boy, I was walking with my eyes closed again, you know, uh, spirit-wise. So, I don't know, guys. You know, I said that whole stuff last week. And then I was still, you know, saying, okay, you know, let's let's, let's do some discernment here about this whole Midler project. You know, what, what the world needs now is me, Hitler. It's an application. For you to complain into, what the world needs now, is me, Hitler, when you're really mad, it's yep you're reaching for. And I don't know the rest of that song, guys, but that was just a middler, you know, interlude for you guys, but I said... Uh, Gods, like, I really think I was, is it, is, it, is it like a double wool, like I was pulling the wool over my eyes, then your eyes, then my eyes again, and you busted me, you said, hey, let's, uh, I don't know how you guys do it, obviously, some sort of, I don't know if it's divine wisdom or divine energy or some sort of, you know, where, where those things intersect, but man, well, man, God, it, it, I said, Jesus, I. Uh, so I've been worried. I said, if we could come out with this Midler thing. It's a good idea. Maybe it'll work, and maybe we'll make some money. is a real, you know, the original idea. And then over the last couple, I said, well, maybe it's just a good idea. Maybe, and I said, well, or maybe we could charge just the rich people. And then I said, well, she's going to have an upgrade. And then, be, and then last week I was like, well, maybe people just want to complain, you know. But well, what in the world could let me complain? Midler, when I want to complain. Oh, Midler, when I want to complain. I wake up in the middle of the night. My neighbor keeps making all sorts of noise like, Oh, father dear, hand me my phone for my midler rap. So, uh, we so sorry, guys. I just when a song creeps in, I want to say, Jesus, that a good you know midler theme song. Midler, when you wanna, that's a uh uh Cindy Lopper song. I know I'm not. I don't have a good Lopper, Lopper level pipes in my voice. And maybe I'm just dancing around at God's, you know, like uh, like I'm weird Lou Albano or Captain Lou, the weird, whatever he was, the weird uncle Captain Lou. Why, God, Do you know he was this guy back in the 80s? He had rubber bands stuck to his face. I, and I said, is that a genetic... We, when I was a little kid, I didn't have the internet, so I said, "Geez, I, I probably would have looked it up. Why is it? Why are the rubber bands stuck to his face? Is it a genetic thing? Is it plastic cement? Was he, you know?" <sighs> but I'm pretty sure that guy he had rubber bands on his face. Um, but guys, I don't know. I guess uh, here's what I'm here to tell you. I I, I guess I'm really afraid. And you say, Jesus, well, you, you should be afraid of us. No, 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 not of you. Well, yes, of you guys. But if you're in, just, I said, I think this whole middler thing, gods, it's a good idea. I'm not, I say we sell, once we know what API is, Barky, that's essential knowing what API is. Because every thing I listen to, people say, and yeah, get that API going. We're going to release the API, check the API. So we do have to know what API is, and that's the only thing you're in charge of, Barky. So please get back to me about API, please. But, but guys, I guess I'm scared, um, because kind of launch in this Midler thing and saying, Jesus, I don't know how it's going to work out. But you know, I'm already afraid. That's my default status internally, somewhere deep down. I say, jeez, I'm scared. Trying to work with these gods, to develop some faith or some some trust in the uh, universal thingamajig or or the day to day moment, whatever. However you want me to work at gods, you haven't your mysterious ways clearly. I, I, but that's not what and you say. Well, you know, that's a test, and you're failing. I say, yeah, no, I'm just afraid. I'm not seeing your faults. It's not. But I said it. maybe I was seeing this Midler thing as a, uh, one of those life, like a life ring, really a lifesaver. And I said, oh, geez, I'm not going to have to tread water anymore. I'll just grab onto this Midler uh, app idea. And not only, but I said, geez, it's just a life, it's not a life ring. But even though I was thinking as a life ring, oh, not only am I going to grab onto it as a life ring, it's going to pull me out of the water. It's going to make me say, hey, I'm not afraid anymore. It's going to bring me some things which I can't even identify. That'll make all that fear go away. And you say, geez, it's tough to be pining for what you want when you don't know what you want. And guys, they can hear you saying it. Maybe it was you, Crone. You said, hey, sit down. Hey, I have a little seat? It's me, the Crone. I know it doesn't sound like me because I sound so calm. Well, listen, you know, we know you're scared, and, but, but this stuff, you are it's not going to make your fear go away. It's not going to make, you, you might get, you know, what, what if you, you know, Bat- Midler endorsed your, you know, at, you, it made you the official, you know, proprietor of the Midler fortune. It's not going to change that. And why don't you just trust us, God? As you say, Midler, this is the journey. And this is the stepping stone, and I say, Crone, can you can you bring it together for me? Because I'm I'm looking for a concise, concrete answer for my fears, and a concise, you know, way to know everything's going to be okay. And then the Crone says, Hey, let me let me hand things over to Barky. And then she is pointing to a tree that's sitting there, and then it rustles. And I say, What was that, Barky. Russell, Russell, okay, which, which, didn't you hear me, Barky? I'm afraid. I'm not even most of the time, I mean, I'm aware I'm afraid. But this is some deep level fear, Barky, you know, just lying under there. Like a, like a, you know, one of those fears that just go, hmm, in the background. Background, underlying fear, I think they call it, Barky. Russell, Russell, Russell. Tree doesn't say anything. I say, okay, should I, are your roots metaphor for that barky? Okay, nothing, not even a rustle that time. Because I'm just looking for a, should I just hold, and then I go and I hug the tree? Maybe that'll make me feel better. Hugging the tree tight, okay, is it, it, well, tree's not actually that huggable. Especially this one I couldn't get my arms all the way around its bark. Very barky. Obviously if it was, you know not gonna be smooth bark. That's probably your cousin, how huh, barky old smooth bark. Do you guys get along or you guys got trouble? And what about slick bark? How, how do you feel about about slick bark? Uh you got Uncle Barkbeard Barky, how do you feel about Uncle Barkbeard? Oh Russell, Russell, no answer. Okay. Okay, so you know, we That's what go. Oh, Crohn's gone. I turn around. Crohn's gone. Man, you know. No offense. I know Miller and Smith are busy working, so I'm not going to expect them to appear. And Jester, you're probably on a bender. We're in some sort of, you know, multi partner situation. Totally respect you ignoring me that way. But I say, God, it's, uh could you forgive my misguided? Current status misguided. I'm 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 apologizing, but I I got to tell you guys. I say, geez, I'm still scared. I'm still gonna be reaching, and I think at one time when I was praying, you, I had a, a a some sort of tight way of describing it. But yeah, I'm reaching for something. I want some certainty, and I say, oh yeah, the the uh it was a uh, Aileen Brush McKenna. Uh, she was on scrib notes, and she was saying she was talking about parenting and and parents being afraid and find, trying to find something within their control. And she said, "Oh, these are the the talismans. We talisman is that how you say it, guys. Talisman, talisman. We cling to, you know, to say, oh, this is going to give me some control over a terribly f- fearful and uncontrollable situation.' Being a parent." And in some sense, I'm, the, you know, one of the parents with you gods uh, of this application, Midler app. And, you know, I guess in some sense, I got a parent, my own life, and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And so, yeah, I'm looking for a lot of things to cling to certainty, which I know ain't coming. But I would terribly, I wish it was gods. So I think I got lost in there. I said, geez, if I get, if we get a. If we save Google calls, like Sergey. I say, geez, who would I want to hear from Sergey or the other guy? What's that? is it Petrov? No. Sergey. i it'll I'll, I'll think of it. It's not Mark. Uh that's Mark Zuckerberg is at Facebook. They w I don't think they would acquire Midler. And then I say it's like Joss, not Joss Whedon over at Twitter, Joss Biz, Biz Stone maybe. But I don't know if they're acquiring people. To say, well, Google maybe, maybe. Obviously, Jeff Bezos ain't gonna acquire us because you know we have a history with you know fiction related, to him, you know ob- obliquely related. But maybe being acquired or you know IPO or even knowing what API is, Barky would would give me some sort of. Uh, uh, t- those were things I was trying to cling to, God, say, Jesus, now everything's going to be fine. Take my fear away. Um, but I said, Jesus, I guess this is why you complain. I, maybe this is a middler behind-the-scenes video. Maybe we'll do a viral thing, gods. where I, well, here's a bad idea, God's uh, clinging to it. I do a fake viral where I'm, like, complaining to the gods, and uh, if have a podcast app and saying, I want some certain day. And I'm middlering, you know, middlering. And and they say, he's changed praying around the middlering. And I say, well, these are complaint-based religions. That's probably not a good thing. But I say, well, maybe if you can, you know, you take it in some sort of parental way and absorb my complaints and you say, okay, well, human condition. So that's what I got. I I wish I had, you know, oh, also I didn't do anything on the app this week. So that's why the other reason for this prayer is, uh, I don't know, this week flew by. I was stressed about that stuff, you know, panic, panic attacks. So, and you know, I had the cold, it was bronchitis, and then my, now I got my allergies going crazy. Midler, my allergies are going crazy. Midler. Why the hell doesn't anything but Benadryl work? And Benadryl knocks me out, Midler. I say, hey, take this. None of that never worked for me, but Benadryl, Midler. And that, you know, makes me like loopy, Midler. So I said, yeah, I say, guess a little apology. I said, geez, I, wish, I, I guess I was reaching, reaching for not for the. Well, I say, hey, if I pull that star down. We'll have some, you know, star lasers and star dollars, starfish to eat, you know, star, you know. So, well, so I say, God, so I just say, Jesus, I'm, I'm, uh, and I say, I'm not saying, oh, I'm so scared, I need some. It's like a fear I don't even understand, God. And you're laughing, but I say, yes, yeah, because you're fate without faith and without, uh, whatever the other word for faith is. Trust in the world. Trust in yourself. You're too busy about worrying about yourself to so trust in yourself. And I say, "Well, gods, so I got to stop. I got to think about that one. Midler, confusing things that gods say to you. Is that what proverbs are, gods? Was that just a proverb or no? Was that too... I'll try to get some work done this week. I'll try to get my, you know, I'll say, well, this week I'll trust, uh, you know, this week I'll, uh, yeah, I'll try one, one prayer at a time, guys, all right? Thanks for your support in all its, uh, you, know, you know, forms. Thank you, guys. Good night.